The quest for immortality has existed for as long as humanity has been cognizant of its alternative, death. Some scientists believe the answer could lie within uploading the mind into a digital space where it could theoretically live forever. Religious folk preach immortality of the soul with the promise of an eternal afterlife. There are other paths to unending life. Irene Kara sang about one such solution in 1980 using lyrics written by Dean Pitchford. Quote, fame, I'm gonna live forever. From the song, fame. Of course, we know it doesn't work like that, but it can be hard to accept the fact until it confronts you face to face. For Counting Crows frontman Adam Duritz, the confrontation came during his band's climb to fame in 1994. Counting Crows had become a hot topic in the industry in 1992 after their demo tape initiated a nine-way bidding war between labels. The band eventually signed with Gary Gersh of Geffen Records, the same man and label that signed the legendary grunge act Nirvana. In 1994, the band's first album, August and Everything After, was climbing the charts and justifying the high price Geffen Records had paid for the group. Duritz began having second thoughts about fame. Quote, I was pretty nervous about it myself. We almost said no to the Rolling Stone cover when it came up. I mean, you kind of can't. You'd be crazy to. There's your career made right there in some ways. But I was also very nervous. What's my life going to be like when I'm on the cover of every magazine? The band did the cover story for Rolling Stone, and during the process, Duritz received a phone call with news that would shake the entire music world. Kurt Cobain had been found dead. Quote, and it scared the living shit out of me. I just wrapped my head around doing this thing, and then I found out. Here's the guy who's just been on the cover, and look what happened to him. And he was a nice guy that I knew. I sat across from him in his manager's house with his wife and his baby having lunch. Just a guy, but he was on the cover of Rolling Stone, and he was the guy who shot himself. It scared the living shit out of me. I was just like, what the fuck did I sign up for? Said Duritz. The combined meteoric rise of Counting Crows along with the sudden passing of Cobain took a heavy mental toll on Duritz, who had already had underlying mental health issues. He sequestered himself and didn't write for six months after the debut album tour finished. When the frontman returned to music, he had a new perspective on fame, which led him to feeling at odds with the lead single and breakout hit that helped put him in his current circumstance. The single hit number one in Canada, number seven in France, and number five on the Billboard Hot 100 airplay charts. The song itself is a slice-of-life tale about Duritz and fellow musician Marty Jones and their trip to a bar one evening. But more importantly, it's about the two men's mad desire for fame. That's right, we're talking Mr. Jones by Counting Crows on Cover Me. Mr. Jones and me tell each other fairy tales That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is stumbling through the barrio. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my symbolic co-host. You there? I'm not here in person, I'm just a symbol. You're so... (laughs) Alex Mildenberger! But you can't see it because it's... It's it's an audio medium. It's an audio medium. That scared me. I thought maybe you'd disconnect it. I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. It's like, how do you pronounce that symbol that Prince was? Yeah, how do you pronounce that symbol that Prince was? I don't think you don't. I don't, you don't. I think that's the that's, point. I think maybe it's just a tender moan. So I'm just the podcast guy, formerly known as Alex Mildenberger Alex now. Alex Mildenberger, the podcast guy. Yeah. Alex Mildenberger, formerly Alex Mildenberger, currently a symbol. How you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. That's good. Just had a just had our innovation week at work, which we do annually. Fuck yeah, I love innovation yeah. week at your work. Gives you some time to work on some uh, uh, unusual things. 
got to learn some stuff. It's pretty cool. That's tight. Yeah. Um, did you learn how to impress all your coworkers with a theremin? No, unfortunately, I did not. Um, <laughs> now, is that because you didn't show them, or because you showed them and they weren't impressed? They weren't impressed. No, I haven't. I haven't uh, had much of a chance to tell tell too many people about it. But I'll, I'll get to it. I'm sure soon enough. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we're we're only just getting back to to the office now. You know. Right. Back in the office. Hanging out by the water cooler. Talking about stuff. Drinking about like stuff. water or whatever. <laughs> whatever they put in the cooler. Whatever's man. cooler. Hey, I'm loving it. <laughs> well, that's good, Oxy. Been doing anything with that theremin, or is it still just just hanging out? Uh, it's been hanging out. It was, it's been idle for another week, unfortunately. Understandable. That's that's what happens, people. This is, you know, oh, sometimes sometimes life gets in the way. Life gets in the way. Things things ebb and flow. It's it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, cool, Alex. That's fucking great. <laughs> Counting crows. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I could supply you with a very interesting tale of my um things I did. This is what it's happens when we try to commodify that. just like some random hobby, right? It's like, well, now we got to talk about this every week, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. maybe we don't have enough material for nope, a therapy. Sorry, <laughs> didn't do anything. Yep. I could tell we could I start off scales the, on guitar. The Devo book club where I tell you about what's going on in Gravity's Rainbow, but Yeah, that's still going, that's eh? That's tough because I don't even really know. <laughs> that's uh yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. I just renewed it for the second time. So I've had the book for about a month and a half, and I'm just starting to crack the halfway point of the novel. <laughs> yeah, it's like big and also like dense, right? Yeah, it's big and dense, like small type, big pages. But by the time you get to the end of it, Devo's going to make perfect sense. Yeah, I'm going to be like, I fucking get these guys now. Oh, Whippet's really smart. Wow. <laughs> Devo. Also, like, nobody listened to our Devo episode, so it's like a, nobody even cares that we're talking about it right now. Uh, but they will care that we're talking about the 1990s sensation with White Man Dreads. We're yep. talking, uh, Counting Crows, Alex. What do you know about these fellas? Um, I, was, I came into this thinking, like, I don't know a thing about the Counting Crows. I know this song. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't even know why. It's just, you know, always been in my head. Well, yeah, it was. This song is so um, definitely what, heard like it. three months younger than you. Yeah. Um, and uh, they have a cover of Big Yellow Taxi okay, that, I, yeah. that I've uh, known. But also, you know, when I was younger, I was like, uh, actually, the Joni Mitchell version is the only one that matters. Um, and also, their song I know best, which is Accidentally in Love, off of the yep. Shrek 2 soundtrack. That's definitely so, the first yeah. time I heard of Counting Crows. Like I was Yeah, like, and I honestly like forgot or didn't know that was them until like this week. And I'm like, I oh shit, remember, yeah, I used to listen to that yeah. song all the time. Because I used to listen to the Shrek 2 soundtrack all the time. Yeah, I just remember being in a lot of like promo media for it. And it was like, and Adam DeRitz of Counting Crows wrote Accidentally in Love. I'm like... I don't care about that. I care about <laughs> I don't the, remember that at all. The, the jokes. <laughs> yeah, they, you know he says they don't even have dental. Yeah, you, you that's, lose it. That's in Shrek too. That's in Shrek too. That's the a great joke looks, for adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's the cat looks with his eyes. Oh yeah. That's I think still probably the one bit I remember most is when it turns into a, a parody of Cops, and then the cat's got catnip on him, and then. <laughs> They bust him. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember that. It's been such a long time. Oh, but great. I remember the song. Great bit. Yeah, which is not the song we're talking about. No, we're talking about Mr. Jones. Um, we could do accidentally in love at some point. 
I was looking up covers. There's a bunch of them. There's a few. Well, hey, we got a whole month about love, and we're usually scrambling to find songs. So yeah, so there's definitely enough time between then and now to forget about it. So yeah, perfect. That's what I love to do. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Jones. Um, I don't even know how I know this song. Much like you, I'm like, well, I know this song. Um, but I know my sister lent me their album back when like back in early ipod days when i was just like needing to fill my ipod with things i was like well, what else right because you, you had to like find cds yeah because we were young and couldn't necessarily buy them on itunes it was like playing metal gear solid 5 and like looking for cassette tapes <laughs> but real life yeah but real life wow that's nostalgic <laughs> yeah that is something else so yeah, i just like had it on here and i like played it's a good out al- it's a great album let's be real here folks yeah it was a great oh yeah it's fantastic you should give it a listen but yeah this one stuck out probably because it's like a poppy upbeat upbeat sounding hit and pff, turns out alex is not it's not very upbeat it's, i mean it has a hopeful outlook i think yeah i suppose so to some some degree it's uh it's like more delusional it's kind of along the lines of gloria by umberto totsi where he's like, okay. I'm gonna fucking meet Gloria one day. Just this this woman who I imagined in my head. Just you wait. <laughs> She'll be there. I guess this is more like, I wish I was someone who could could believe that this was waiting for me at the end of the path. Yeah. It's, it's somebody who's like, this is gonna solve all my problems. Also, I wish I was Bob Dylan. Did carrying on the strong '90s tradition of referencing Bob Dylan in a popular song, but not only Bob Dylan, but oh, wait, was there another connection? I don't remember it now. Is it the fact that there's a the title of the song is Mr. Jones, and there's a ballad of Thin Young Man, which is about a Mr. Jones? No, it's like does he have another line about like a fence or something, or maybe a line. Um. <laughs> anyway, not important. No, I don't think so. Well, we'll figure out if that line's there, Alex, because we're going to talk about these yeah, dang I'm, old I'm, lyrics. Let's talk about them, because there's a lot of them, actually. Yeah, and coming up into the intro, there's a, a, another reference. Apparently, they caught a lot of heat for this from random music fans. <laughs> Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Uh-huh. So, What's that a reference to? Van Morrison, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah. Brown-eyed girl. Okay, fair enough. Socks, you're a Van Morrison fan, particularly his later works. I know you're really into, but yeah, I'm, I'm really into his his recent stuff, his recent anti-lockdown singles. <laughs> God, what go- and like garbage sounding too. It's not even like I just disagree with the message. It's just like a piece of shit track. <laughs> he even there's he even teamed up with Clapton for one. There's a, he's like coming out with an album, and the artwork is like people, and like the pop. There's like puppet strings on them, all that shit. Yeah, he's it's called. Uh, da- there's his lead single. Oh no, he's got three singles: "Pretending," "Nervous Breakdown," and "Dangerous." Dangerous. It's like yeah, people and the yeah, like puppet master. What's it gonna take? I wish he would just sing about women with different eye colors. <laughs> you just gotta cover all however many eye colors there are officially yeah. seven i'm gonna say seven seven i don't and actually of course, know the the no eye option as well yeah of course F you no ad girl <laughs> what do you do 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 uh only singing about the radio part then <laughs> um that's what he also needs is just an album of him requesting the DJ to play rhythm and blues. Rhythm and blues music. Hi, Mr. DJ. 
Uh, but yeah, so people thought he was like, oh, you're ripping that right from Viad Mor. You're just a Viad Morrison band. Uh, which, sure, which, I like, guess. Like, the rest of the song is not like that, though. Like, I know. It's one thing. It's like a vague reference, maybe, to something. I didn't even really think of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's almost like if you were to, you know, give people shit for being influenced by Elvis and or the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes. I don't, I don't know. That's but hey, that's how it starts. Yeah, Where that is how it there, starts. Goes on a fucking journey, brother. Verse one, which is, verse one is two stanzas. It's really more like two verses. Yeah, it's, it's very like stream of consciousness too, so. Yeah. Yeah. So he also robbed from Jack Kerouac. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and apparently he wrote this like so. It's based on a true event, like I mentioned in the the intro. This this day actually happened, and it was like he came home after that this evening and wrote this song. So it is pretty pretty farm to table in terms of lyric production, um, if not stream of consciousness directly. So I was down at the New Amsterdam, staring at this yellow-haired girl. Mister Jones strikes up a conversation. The black-haired flamenco dancer, you know, she dances while his father plays guitar. She's suddenly beautiful. We all want something beautiful. Man, I wish I was beautiful. Oh, man. So let's work uh, with that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the story, right? They're, they're, they're wannabe musicians, or they're, they're in a band together, right? Yeah. Him and I actually, I thought it was kind of amusing. I mean, in a lot of songs where you have a character with a name like Mr. Jones, which is kind of intentionally vague, or it yeah, seems it, like it is. like It's like a mystery of like, oh, is it supposed to represent a real person? But this is literally just a guy named like Marty Jones. Yes. It's um, just like a guy, I, he's Mr. Jones. But like, it's weird that you call him Mr. Jones because it's like your, your friend, right? Yeah, it's your friend Marty. Like, I wouldn't call you like Mr. Last Name. Yeah. Unless it was like a specific moment, but yeah. I, yeah, unless we were doing a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, it is very odd that he does. People apparently thought the song was about his dick, that Mr. Jones was his penis. <laughs> Jones in, ter- in the sense of like yearning, kind of. Yeah, I guess. And if Mr. Jones strikes up a conversation with a black-haired flamenco dancer, is that like like getting a boner? Is his dick like a like attracted? It's like to, like controlling like a- <laughs> him or whatever. It's like yeah, yeah. But also like um, his dick's father plays guitar like <laughs> yeah like what <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> it gets confusing pretty quick. I, I think this metaphor is falling apart so yeah marty jones was a bassist for the himalayans which was a a band that uh adam duritz was in prior to this and him and marty had known each other before that so they went out it, it gets interesting because his the, his father jones's father the the flamenco guitarist mm-hmm. uh, uh gypsy davy or uh david serva i think is his name is like a serial like family starter. He just like he had five oh. wives during his life and had kids with each and every one of them. Like traveling guitarist kind of like goes between yeah. families in different cities or I don't know. If he's a, yeah, he's got he's got different hoes in different area codes. Yeah. That's not kosher, but like he he got around and like one of his kids made a documentary about him and you know his whole philandering and and womanizing and all that. Um, and so there, yeah, there's a weird, like, part of this song that, of course, isn't addressed, because maybe you didn't know, but, like, this dude is basically going to see his estranged father play guitar. Yeah, that is a weird dynamic. Yeah. For sure. 
for sure, but not the focus of this song, which is... Um, no, they really brush over that. Well, I think it kind of comes up later. It kind of... I, I mean, that's it, the environment, right? Yeah, and the distance between this guy and his father, who is actually kind of famous, like he's famous in flamenco circles for, what's right. that, for what that's worth. Like, So there's the distance between him and his father and the distance between him and fame. And of course, as we all know, Marty Jones does not go on to become a famous musician. Um, some 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 sources I read say he went on to go work at a uh, like a Toronto-based studio, like music studio. Yeah, but honestly, like he could have been super famous, and I wouldn't have necessarily know his name. Yeah, and others say that he got out of music entirely because he kind of saw his father and was like, "Well, I don't want to live that life." So Didn't it's a mystery Himalayan what anyway. happens to to the character Mister Jones here. Yeah, which I guess strange. he is a bit of a mysterious character. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, but not necessarily meant that way. Yeah, not necessarily. Um, so they're yeah, they're looking at women. Uh, he's talking to a black-haired flamenco dancer. Um, it's interesting that she is suddenly beautiful when she begins practicing her craft, when she begins doing her flamenco dancing. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess not something that gets mentioned a lot, but it's something that's kind of true, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. being good at a skill can definitely lend itself to attraction. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the the narrator here, who's of course Adam Duritz. There's not really any uh, any veil between that. Yeah, his uh, the placing of worth and value on a a skill like a marketable skill that people want for him. He wants to, as we'll find out, play guitar and you know be a be a famous musician. Yeah. And he believes, as we'll come to, to find in the later, that that will get him love and acceptance. Um, it's a real Don't quest for all... external validation. Don't we all want that? We all want to be beautiful. We all want that. This song really, like, fucking has me dead to rights. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, don't write songs about me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, also, um, the interesting the concept of beauty, but in the context of, of beauty um, as, as it is expressed, you know, as opposed to just like natural beauty or whatever, yeah, um, is also interesting. And also, when he says, "I wish I was beautiful," like seems to be suggesting he doesn't think his skill is good enough. Maybe just because it hasn't been acknowledged in the way he wishes it was. Yeah, he hasn't. He wasn't that successful validation. yet, even though it was this song that kind of catapulted them to success. Yeah. Um, it also doesn't help sense. that he was 29 when this was written, I believe, which is my current age. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it stings. Funny and, how yeah, that so goes. He, and it's also interesting because before that, he's staring at a yellow-haired girl. So the, the flamenco dancer doesn't even catch his eye until she's dancing, and then he goes, wait a second. She's doing in some way what I want to be doing, which is being viewed, admired, and, and, and loved in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to move on to the next stanza here. So come dance the silence down through the morning. sha la 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cut up, Maria. Show me some of them Spanish dances. And pass me a bottle, Mr. Jones. Believe in me. Help me believe in anything. Because I want to be someone who believes. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to me, I mean, in the last uh, part we introduced, the, the show is kind of starting, and now he's really getting caught up in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is a feeling, you know, I think a lot of us have felt at, at live performances. You get caught up in the art and the performance and, and it feels like you get that sense of like, yeah, this is this 
<laughs> why would you ever want to not be a part of something like this, you know? Yeah, and why would you want it to, to stop, right? Because he says, dance this silence down through the morning. It's presumably evening when the show is going on. Yeah. Just uh, all night? Like, I wouldn't expect a Spanish flamenco show to go all night. Yeah, she's going to need a lot of water. And now he's, refer- like, calling her Maria. Like, they're not on a first-name basis. She's just Certainly up on the not. stage. And now but there's that connection, sort of, mm-hmm. that you get when in those times when when uh, someone's performing. Yeah, breaking down of uh, regular social constructs, I suppose. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, the name Maria is used frequently in Counting Crows works. So the song refers to a dancing woman named Maria. Um, she's the main su- subject of their second single, Round Here, which is the first track off the album. Um, so there's some lines from that. Uh, so Maria seems to be like a character... Uh, it's never been revealed if it's she's a real person that Duritz knows or if it's just like a concept. But she comes up in a few songs similar to uh, Frank Turner's own music, who, which for a good period of time references the character Amy a lot. Right. Except we explicitly know Amy is a stand-in for like the concept of addiction. and Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Whereas this is a little more mysterious. And if you're just looking at this song, it just sounds like, oh, she's the dancer, right? Yeah, she's, she's Maria. the dancer. Yeah. And maybe, you know, this particular event did leave a big impact on him, and Maria is something he thinks about a lot. Could be, yeah. And also, yeah, cut up Maria. He's telling Maria to dance, which yeah. he cut, cut up, mean like cut up the rug. Show me some of them Spanish dances. Means like dance well, go, yes, woo. Woo, yes, encouragement. Believe uh, pass me. me a bottle, Mr. Jones. Like, he's, he's getting drunk. Yeah, he's having a good time. Yeah. And Mr. Um, Jones but, is there. Yeah, Mr. Jones but is it there. But it makes him want to believe in himself, which is kind of what I was talking about before. You know, the mm-hmm. feeling of, of getting caught up in the show, in the performance, in the art. Yeah. And also just, like, his inner state, because he wants to be somebody who believes. He Currently, he is a non-believer in anything judging from that statement yeah or at the very least doesn't necessarily believe in himself yeah and doesn't believe in his ability to succeed in this field which obviously oh, yeah. He eventually yeah, did. He, he wants belief in himself he says believe in me and then he says help me believe in anything but yeah i guess you're right that true he extends, from, uh, he extends it he extends it to like well yeah to like you know wants wants something to to grasp onto yeah anything to grasp onto to to give him a sense of of purpose um which takes us to chorus one the first chorus uh mr jones and me tell each other fairy tales and we stare at the beautiful women she's looking at you ah no no she's looking at me smiling in the bright lights coming through in stereo when everybody loves you you can never be lonely well, there's that line, but uh, that's at the end, so maybe we'll get to that in a second. But sure. it's kind of summarizing, right? Yeah. Mr. You know, we're telling each other fairy tales, which seems to be this idea of success. You know, this idea that they're going somewhere. Oh, but yeah. Maybe it's, it's maybe it's, it'll never happen because it's fairy It'll never tale. happen. Yeah, because that's a very relatable uh, scene. That's a very, like, slice of life. Like, we, I think we've all been with a friend. We're like, hey, you know, all it's going to take is this one thing's going to take off, and then we're going to yeah. be... We'll make it, man, one day. We'll make it, man, one day. So you tell each other fairy tales, <laughs> and then you you uh, pretend or hallucinate that these people around you in this bar are like, oh, that woman's looking at me. No, she's looking at you. I was just looking at, oh, hey, hey. Tonight could be the night. It's more fairy tales, really, because the women are probably not staring at them. 
Yeah, it's really easy to look at a place and have someone already be there. Yes. So particularly, you know, yeah, in a place that's meant to to hold people. To hold <laughs> lots of people, yeah. Not that I've been in a place with lots of people all that much. Not recently, but hey, been there before. And um, uh, I feel like the, the lights. lights coming in stereo. Yeah, which just means like, I don't know, two things. Yeah, two things. There are two lights. Like two lights. <laughs> that's um, exactly what it means, and that's. I wonder if that's a if the coming through in stereo refers to the lights, or if like we're now transcending to him imagining himself on the stage. Right. I mean, he is a, a mus- He's a music artist. Yes, and he's coming through in stereo because he's playing music. Music. Yeah. Although all my cables are mono, but. Well. Time to get some new cables, Alex. Yeah. Join the future. Um, when everybody loves you, you can never be lonely. Right there, it is. That's, That's what the we're thesis statement. About. He's like, if said. I get famous, I'll never be lonely. I won't have to request Maria to dance this silence down through the morning. Do it himself. I'll do it. Do it my goddamn self. Everyone loves you. So there it is. His his whole idea. And then in verse two, I think we really get the picture that he's. And this kind of tacks on to the I don't believe in anything, but he's really like not unique or uh, maybe even smart. Like he's he's kind of acknowledging here that he's a, kind of an idiot, I think. Okay. How so? So I'll I guess, read out yeah, the verse. Let's go through the lyrics. Well, I'm going to paint my picture, paint myself in blue and red and black and gray. All of the beautiful colors are very, very meaningful. Yeah, well, you know, gray is my favorite color. I felt so symbolic yesterday. If I knew Picasso, I would buy myself a gray guitar and play. Um, so going through that, first he wants to be a musician, now he wants to be a fucking painter. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. And then all of the beautiful colors are very, very meaningful. True. I guess it is just like a really generic statement. Yeah. And he is saying like, it. But like, okay. Like that, this is a joke. He's, this is a right. joke that Adam is telling us. He's like, oh, all, all these beautiful colors, but they're super duper meaningful. Like very, very, you don't need to stress that if they are meaningful. Fair enough. Um, and furthermore, gray being your favorite color, gray is a very bland color. Right. We do consider gray to be bland compared to brighter colors like red and blue. Mm-hmm. Although even red and blue and black, like, pretty basic right yeah is very that, basic. do you think that's part of it yeah blue and red are both primary colors yeah and black like primary is colors like, and black and gray it's like not gonna be like probably just seeing those like you wouldn't think like oh that's gonna be this crazy interesting thing well not that you can't make something interesting not that you can colors but uh also where does his knowledge of any painting things come from right like, I'm <laughs> true and now oh they're very meaningful okay all right this is how like a child constructs paintings they're like i like blue i like red i like black i like gray i put them together because i like put them. them together and make a, i don't know this is a cop-out but stained glass window yeah i guess that would be your easiest bet and then sealing the deal and i have to refer i gotta get props to genius here but uh he says if i knew picasso i'd buy myself a gray guitar and play which is a reference, apparently, and I, I believe it, to the Picasso painting, The Old Guitarist, um, wherein everything else is, like, very gray except for the guitar. So it's kind of inverted it? Yeah. So And, and to me, that painting kind of speaks to, like, the fact that this man, the man in the painting, uh, kind of brings life through music. 
whereas uh, he's reversing that. He's like, I am using music to bring me life, which is maybe, I think, the ass-backwards way of looking at the equation. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. I mean, I didn't quite dig into the painting that much. Yeah, I just looked at it. I don't know if that's even what it means. I was going to look more, but I don't know. Hey, it makes sense. I mean, if that's a if that's a take on the on the painting, um, yeah, art is art, right? Nobody yeah, art is art, right? Fight me, right? You're like, yeah, okay, I, I see that, I see that. But yeah, so you it seems convince to me, me of anything. I mean, that he's he's talking here. We kind of established that he his motives are selfish. He's maybe not. He doesn't have, you know, he's not the hurdy gurdy man, Alex. Right. He doesn't have a message. Or he doesn't a story have a message or a higher purpose he has an animal desire for comfort and validation yeah it's more introspective i guess yeah and that's my take though what did you get out of verse two what did i get out of verse two? Oh fuck what did i i mean you just took him at face value you're like yeah those sound like very meaningful yeah colors. those sound like very meaningful colors. no i definitely uh, i mean uh when he starts talking about gray i'm thinking like I don't want to discount gray as a color, you know? When we look at gray, we're like, ah, it's just gray. But, like, it's as much a color as anything else, you know? For sure, yeah. Vanilla is a flavor, gray is a color. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I didn't tie that into anything, though. <laughs> but it seemed to be like, he's just trying to kind of be himself, even if himself is um, uh, not interesting to other people. Or maybe he doesn't think think what he is is interesting to other or people. Or poorly defined or ambiguous. Like, gray yeah. is associated with, like, ambiguity for uh, or something. True. Also, what the fuck does it mean I felt so symbolic yesterday? <laughs> I think that is the I'm an idiot line. That's what I mean, that yeah, means. I mean, there's there's two in there, really. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, like you said, the beautiful color and then that, right? Yeah. They're, that are just like, what? This is random nothing. Um... But, uh, yeah, it also just seems to be, like, the painting part is kind of more metaphor. Yeah. But I'm kind of struggling to to bring that full circle. I think he's just, like, a little on his bullshit. Have you seen the movie Parasite? Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. Um, The son in that movie, he sometimes says, it's like a catchphrase of his, but he'll be like, oh, this is so metaphorical. He does all the time, and it doesn't and make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but what it establishes, I've seen the, the movie twice now, it establishes that he is an idiot. <laughs> like that's right. the, because what, and spoiler alert for Parasite, if you haven't seen it, go watch it, it's a good movie. But it's the daughter who dies at the end. Right. And it's established multiple times throughout the movie that she is actually skilled. She's actually right. smart, she's, she's, she's skilled. She's a smart one. Yeah, and he's the idiot. Like, he gets by, he's, he's, he's not, he's not, bad person per se but he's not really smart he gets a job uh, based on a reference from a friend um of course they all get jobs based on references but yeah he carries around this rock all the time he's like oh this is so metaphorical dad you're a you used to be a driver and now you're a driver again that's not a metaphor there's no metaphor there no he has no no higher concept and so i think it's the same thing here i felt so symbolic yesterday what does that like, feel That doesn't like? mean anything. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Symbolic, symbol, symbolic of what? Yeah. But arguably, um, with his, with gray being his favorite color, um, I felt so symbolic yesterday. If the answer is that he felt ambiguous and not like much of anything, then the line makes perfect sense. Yeah. But he's still an idiot either way. <laughs> That's, I think, my ultimate take. But 
my final thought on this is I think a gray guitar sounds pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, you get like a darker gray, I think that would be really cool looking. That'd be cool. Especially if you flip this old guitarist painting and then you just peacock up with this gray guitar. I don't know, man. Could be something. True. You get like several shades of gray in there. Yeah. And it almost looks like it's blue or something. Fuck. Some of that might actually be blue. What? Yeah, some of that is definitely blue, but it's... (laughs) Anyway. Um, If you haven't seen that painting, check it out. Check it out. Famous painting. (laughs) It's a famous painting. Looks pretty cool in my opinion. Uh... We gotta we gotta cruise along through this because there is a lot. Yeah, of a, mystery. we still got another chorus. Another chorus. It's mostly another the same. two choruses. Um, a breakdown. Let's just get into it. People find out yeah. what we got. Let's go. So the new chorus is Mr. Jones and me look into the future. Oh. Yeah, we stare at the beautiful women. She's looking at you. I don't think so. She's looking at me. Standing in the spotlight. I bought myself a gray guitar. When everybody loves me, yeah, I'll never be lonely. Yeah, okay, so a lot of similarities. You know, we start the same. They're still staring at beautiful women. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, uh, oh, I mean, they're, they're looking into the future, which is, you know, a little different. But they are in a band, right? So they are still performing. So they are in a spotlight in a way. Yeah. Before they weren't on the stage, but they are now. Or they seem to be now. They seem to be now. That's their future. They're standing in the spotlight. He's he got has that his great, great guitar. guitar that he wants, which is maybe a metaphor for his uninteresting music. Mm-hmm. Um, or music he would consider to be uninteresting. But everyone, he's still trying to make everyone love him. And then he won't be... So, same line. But uh, now he's, like, actively working towards it. Yeah, that's... I guess the other thing is a great guitar might be cool. It also might be exceedingly dull. Yeah. So, it's, it's visually saying, don't look at the music, look at me. <laughs> it's again like using the music as a tool to get your satisfaction right. rather than I am the important part not the music mm-hmm. which again is backwards yeah perhaps. it's not the hurdy-gurdyman approach to music <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I would have said if we hadn't talked about that song last week but it's it's a handy uh, metaphor so metaphorical oh so metaphor just peak metaphor um, when everybody loves me I'll never be lonely I'll never be lonely said I'm never gonna be lonely um, then we come to the next verse I wanna be a lion yeah, everybody wants to pass as cats. We all want to be big, big stars. Yeah, but we got different reasons for that. Believe in me, because I don't believe in anything. And I, I want to be someone to believe. To believe. To believe. Yeah. To believe? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool cats. It's Yeah, cool you for did. cats. Um, <laughs> everyone wants to be. Like, is that, like, I mean, a lion obviously is like an apex predator, and the lion's a cool guy, and everyone pays attention to the lion because it's cool. Yeah. And they look majestic. Coolest animal in the savannah. Uh, yeah. that's, that's why lions are apex predators, because of their coolness. Yeah. Um, but also, like, everyone wants to be... I mean, cat is, like, a cool person, right? Cool yeah. Cats. There's a little bit of like, another another Frank Turner line here. Everybody wants to be the man, including the girls. Oh, yeah. So we, we all want to be fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. We all want to be the man. For And his reason is... Uh, because he doesn't want to be lonely. Yeah, and so everybody's got different... So he acknowledges that some people maybe get into this for the right reasons. I don't know if there are yeah, right I reasons don't know. to uh, seek also, fame Also, like, out. it doesn't explicitly say it, I don't think, but kind of mm-hmm. saying, like, but what do I know? Everybody's like this. Like, I'm yeah. not special. I'm just a gray guitar. I'm just a gray guitar. But I want to be someone to believe. Yeah, I want to get to a point where I can believe in myself. But I can't for some reason. And not only that, I don't but for really know what to do to get more to so point. for other people to believe in him. 
Cause true. It's, or he believes that other people believing in him will cause himself to believe in himself. And maybe I mean, that's true. A real Grinlagan effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, pulling out all the references this week. But yeah, who's somebody to believe in, Alex? Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, yeah. Um, which, which takes us to the next verse, unless you had anything else to say about this one. Or next chorus, I guess. Is it a chorus? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's, it's a weird Mr. Jones structure here. Yeah, Mr. Jones and me stumbling through the barrio. Yeah, we stare at the beautiful women. She's perfect for you. Man, there's got to be somebody for me. I want to be Bob Dylan. Mr. Jones wishes he was someone just a little more funky. When everybody loves you, ah, son, that's just about as funky as you can be. Yeah, I mean, it's still about them dreaming about what they want to be in the future. Uh, obviously, he's the guy who writes a lot of lyrics. Yeah, so also, his, they're they're shit-faced at this point, like you they, said. Like yeah. They're stumbling through the bar. <laughs> but they're just getting a little bit more specific about, like, kind of what they think they need to be to be mm-hmm. loved by everyone. You know, he wants to be Bob Dylan. Mr. Jones doesn't think he's funky enough. Yeah, he just wants to be a little funkier. Um, was there, like, a specific person that was supposed to refer to I think it's just like him being like he wishes yeah. he was a little more. Um, you know, something that a lot of people feel. They're yeah, like, well, I guess the other thing is I like am, funk music enough. is very like danceable. So it's like uh, people don't participate maybe or like right. think he's he wanted, he was a, if he you're was funkier, a funk people will get into it kind of thing. Yeah, well, he says when everybody loves you, that's about as funky as you can be. So. Yeah. Doesn't get funkier than that. Doesn't get funkier than being loved and adored. Also, and there, are, there are illusions that these women have gotten out of hand because they're shit-faced. He's like, yep, yeah, that one's perfect for you. Oh, man. yeah, it's not <laughs> like, oh, maybe she's looking. Nah, she's like, oh, what is she looking at? No, yeah, her, yeah. It's like, that's your fucking wife, bro. I gotta find <laughs> me one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, they're still drinking. Still um, drinking. Also, this is where we get the direct reference to Bob Dylan, who, of Bob course, Dylan. has a character, Mr. Jones. Um, I I don't know much about Mr. Jones in Ballad of a Thin Man. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, we'll get soon, to the bottom of that folks. later. Later. Not today. Not today. Some Stay other tuned. time, probably. Um, um, yeah, but also, like, I kind of connect it to his, I want to be someone to believe. People believed in Bob Dylan. He was a real, like, That's true. icon. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember a line from David Bowie's song about Bob Dylan. <laughs> to quote relevantly, you know, people about people believing in him. But yeah, he was he was that kind of a character. Yeah, it's a real real folk hero, you could say. Folk hero. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. Hit the nail on the head. Final chorus. Mr. Jones and me staring at the video. When I look at the television, I want to see me, staring right back at me. We all want to be big stars, but we don't know why and we don't know how. But when everybody loves me, I want to be just about as happy as I can be. Mr. Jones and me, we're going to be big stars. Yeah, summary and then outro. Yeah. Hope. I mean, in the end, there's some belief, you know? Believes that they're going to be big stars. Yeah, but it said, like, the music tones it down where it's like a quiet... True like statement where you're like i don't know if it's like resolve or if it is like introspection introspection or acknowledgement of the foolhardiness of this outrospection um but perhaps one of the bigger lines is we all want to be big stars but we don't know why and we don't know how yeah yeah that's another i mean that's a concept i've heard referred like the idea that you want to be famous but what is what does it mean to just be famous you know mm-hmm. like don't you want to do something that you're passionate about and then 
just have it be something that other people care enough about that you become famous like yeah fame should be the side effect not the uh yeah not its own goal it should not be its own goal um and Um, i I, like that is something i think i heard a comedy routine where a guy said that was like you know eating because you want to shit one time (laughs) like that was he had more it was you know but that was his but that's the basic concept right that's pretty good yeah yeah it's it's a real absurd like you're missing the actual meat of it yeah like you gotta appreciate the the meal kind of yeah appreciate the meal don't just be working towards the shit because the shit sometimes relieving sometimes not (laughs) as good as y'all want to think it is yeah not as good as the food as good as it is. but yeah that's fuck. a metaphor that's a metaphor <laughs> shit's not as good as the food mr jones we're gonna be big fucking stars that's the song coming into it this week i was like yeah it's about some guys who want to be famous i was like it's kind of lighthearted and fun and I'm like reading the lyrics this week and reading the history behind the song i was like fuck oh, this yeah. is heavy Damn. like <laughs> it's a it's a song for sure man it's it is yeah i've it's never really listened to it closely before i didn't even know it was about like i didn't know what the words were there there's so many of them there's so you know? many of them but you know and all mr jones and me and then like jones that's and it me. and like some of the stuff about i wish i was beautiful that kind of hangs for a little longer yeah you know? and i wish i was beautiful but like i didn't know he talked about picasso and gray guitars and stuff like maybe if i was pushed I'd be like yeah something about beautiful women but yeah didn't know anything yeah i thought it was just like kind of guys who were like chilling and were like damn it'd be cool to be musicians and also to have girlfriends which like (laughs) it kind of it like surface level yeah like if you're just looking at them it's just two guys like drinking at a bar Mm -hmm. kind of um but i mean maybe that's just very much a 90s thing like could be like hanging out with your friends and like wishing things were better (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, no one else uh, has ever acted like that. No, that doesn't happen anymore for sure because you can't yeah. afford to drink at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and also, a pandemic happened. But let me tell you what else, what else happened. <laughs> Alex, let's talk about the instruments because I can't make good segues right now. Yep. Just make some, just make sounds. That's all you need to do. That's, That's what yeah, we're going to be doing. It sounds like we're ch- changing tapes or something. <laughs> um. So, uh, the actual music is, like, pretty, I would say, even's not the best, but, like, there's elements that come in and stick around for a long time. Yeah, like, like the guitar the, is strumming that progression, like, most of the time. Yeah, it's a very, like, I was actually shocked, because, like, the shift to chorus is so subtle as to be almost invisible. It's yeah, the vocals it, that really not that really much different. I think the chords are a bit different. Yeah. But it's not that much. Yeah, so your first major change is really just the addition of instruments, because the first stanza is done with just that guitar, a little bit of, like, tambourine or shaker in the back, and some vocals. And you get that... And there's a uh-huh. guitar lick that they do. Um, the first time it happens is after he says flamenco dancer. And yeah, that comes a in a couple guitar. times. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the three notes. It it happens again. It happens a couple times throughout, particularly that first verse when there's less stuff happening, so you yeah. can kind of hear it. Um, and then there's like a bass that comes in, like leads into the next or uh, leads into the next part, playing just like ba da da da. Yeah, so you get a little sort of like 
driving bass, and then the the drums kick in with that too. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of when we get to, or do the drums come in on the verse or the core, the chorus, right? Um, they come in on "So Come Dance" the uh, the silence down through the morning. Oh, the second like stanza. The second stanza. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I, I think that, that what I call the tambourine might actually just be a closed hi hat. So technically, the drums have always oh, yeah. been there, but they pick oh, yeah, up they, yeah, there's always for the the second stanza, and I think they do also pick up for the chorus. Yeah, and I forgot to check if there were two like rhythm guitars, or it might just be like on a delay or just a multi-track. Yeah, the uh, per- personnel on this wasn't a really good listing. No, because it was like music, Counting Crows. Yeah, what? performed by <laughs> Counting Crows. Great. That's not a that's not personnel, and then just a bunch of like producer guys and mixers and stuff, mm-hmm. and a photographer. I'm like that doesn't count. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> um, I guess it does count. They they took the picture on the single. Hey good for them wow so yeah it's a pretty like chill jam it's just like a little acoustic guitar riff yeah it's not like it ever like breaks out and goes crazy distorted and like has a guitar solo Mm -hmm. because really the focus is on those lyrics because there's a lot of them yeah and also he's he's got a good voice he does some some good even just the mr jones and me like that's a (laughs) where he's singing it's pretty high up yeah yeah, that's a, and that's a good uh, hooky line, too, because that's really the part that I recognized, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even before I knew the song was called Mr. Jones. Yeah. Because I'd recognize that part. And, um, yeah, it's a bit of a... No, just a hook. That's all. That's all. It's a hook, and it's but it also kind of serves... There is a small drum roll before we get to the chorus, mm-hmm. but arguably the the mr jones and me line is more indicative of the shift it's like we are in a because like the vocals are the focus we hear it shift to this high point and we're like okay we're now in the chorus part yeah because it leads us into the section but Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually change all that much yeah it's pretty but there is um the guitar chords are a little different i think yeah and this is where we start hearing the the organ later it comes in it comes in on the first chorus though doesn't it it's just very uh, quiet. I didn't it notice it on the first one, but maybe I'm I miss things all right the time. Now. Let me. It's there. It's very quiet, though. It becomes more prominent on uh, on other, on the later uh, ones. On the later ones, yeah. Yeah, you definitely hear it later on. Mm-hmm. Turn it up. Turn up the organ. Um, and there's backup vocals too, right? Back and forth yeah, and they like come do some in like hey la 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 later verses as hey, uh, later la, choruses la. as well. I think hey la la. Yeah, the hey la la's are on maybe even just the last chorus, not the first hey, one though. La, hey la la. Yeah, I don't think that's in the first one, unless they're really quiet. But all that stuff stays pretty quiet. You know, the yeah. the focus is on the the words being being sung. Yeah, yeah. Although yeah. it does get pretty like busy, but it's very like textury. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like contemporary with like grunge and it's not grunge but like there's a similar um, yeah, it's, it's of approach the era, to right? guitars but I guess mm-hmm. that kind of comes from I'm gonna say like new wave and post-punk the more textury guitar thing yeah I would agree with that <laughs> yeah so but it's you know in a much more 90s way if that means anything to you yeah it's i mean it's leans more towards um it's less nirvana and more hootie and the blowfish if we're on a yeah i I did uh a couple times compared to hootie and the blowfish 
in my mind. Not just because of the Bob Dylan uh, reference, uh, reference, but yeah, it's partially because of that. Yeah, it's um, they're a, they're that similar kind of like, you can, I don't know, you almost call it like cafe rock, or it's like daytime rock. <laughs> like it's uh, yeah, it's not like hard rock. You know, they're not like big and distorted. Hmm. Um. On. I mean, this. Um. The Wikipedia page calls it jangle pop. Yeah, I mean, um, I, could, I which could is that. yeah, there's some jangle there. That's for and sure some pop. In, in the guitar That's for sound. damn sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it's not like hard edge rock or anything. But certainly not. They have a definitely have a common ancestor, but are very closely related. Hmm. So the next big kind of shift is the breakdown in this song. Yes, it kind of bridges too, right? Yeah. Because there's like a section leading into that that breakdown verse the mm-hmm. I'll never be lonely yeah. part um, where he says that and the drums kind of soften up and then the guitars this is where the guitars are doing the longer chords I got that mixed up before I thought right. that was the chords yeah. um, and then the organ is like you can hear the organ a little more because everything else is kind of soft yeah yeah but everything is really holding it you know and sitting in the in that sound mm-hmm. yeah just kind of giving us this big space for the everybody wants to be famous verse which continues very similar right Mm -hmm. it's very down um kind of the bridge sets it up and then leads into that verse and then it kind of does a actually there's a drum fill that kind of makes it kind of fakes out the build yeah but then it stays down and other than that there's like a guitar playing some licks yeah and then, of course, big build back into the chorus. Big build back in, which is, of course, still led by the vocals. He starts doing his two-believe run. Two-believe! And then the drums start kicking up right after yeah, he starts that. that is true. That is true. Um, and then you get the full-on, basically, I call this last minute, minute 20 seconds, the outro, because it's two choruses back-to-back. You yeah. You get the hey-la-la's in, the organ's on full display. Yeah, I would call it that, too. A lot of outro mm-hmm. stuff. Everything's big, doing stuff, doing some backup vocals, doing some more uh, words, but not too many new words. Yeah. And then we we rattle on down for that uh, that final line. Or is it, we do like it. There's like a little, Mr. Jones and me, and then everything kind of cuts. We're going to be big stars. And that was half true. That was certainly half true. Um, because, hey, Adam Duritz is still around and sometimes still having dreadlocks. Sometimes. I think he recently cut his hair, shaved his head, though. Yeah, well, good for him. Um, but in this music video from 1993, he sure fucking has dreads. Oh, yeah, he does. If I could find it. There it is. Yeah, music video. Um, a lot of them playing... Uh, the song in a room but not only them playing the song in a room yeah sometimes they're out on a, a street and uh like it shows women dancing yeah women dancing sometimes women just staring at the camera looking a little just not you know it's kind of a little vacant i guess um this yeah. apartment they're playing in does it remind you of the the natalie and Bruglia apartment from torn at all oh i mean i didn't think of that Okay, well, I did. The one that, like, gets literally torn apart. Yeah. Because it is... Because nothing's fine. Because nothing's fine. <laughs> uh, because it's a set. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> breaking it down. Um, I I uh, didn't think of that. Is it similar? Like the walls? The um, it's it kind of, but the walls are a different color. I think they're yellow here. They're more of just like a an eggshell, perhaps in the in the Natalie and Brulia video. Okay, yeah. I think no, maybe no, just because they were think both sets that I, I thought of it. And they look like sets. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Does that one have the the like vignette filter this one has with the? I wonder if that's a vignette. I guess they wouldn't have like a vignette filter, so there's probably just lighting, and the corners yeah, are blackish. That looks like, dark. like lighting to me. Yeah, so we're just like literally a spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, worth noting when he is singing in the uh, in the apartment there, he's wearing a gray shirt. Oh, he is. Which I mean is easy to dismiss as just a shirt that he's wearing. I, it could well be because <laughs> he's not always wearing. In other shots, he's wearing like an American flag-looking shirt. Um, but in the main shots of him performing with the band, he is wearing a gray shirt. He is wearing a gray shirt. Um, also seems to be like the band themselves, uh, you know, in, in keeping with, I think where rock and roll and like style music was at the time, just kind of looked like a bunch of guys. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not like hair metal, you know, where everyone's got, that's right. We kind of just got away from that era in the nineties. Everybody's like, we're just dudes. (laughs) We're just playing, playing instruments. in the apartment, playing our instruments, wearing my jacket, doing a a strange dance. Yeah. I I don't want to call people out on like dances too much because I think strange dancing is valid and, and, and a good way to, you know, express yourself through motion, Mm -hmm. but also like unusual. Yeah. Kind of that bouncing. was that's just yeah he kind of just bounces that's kind of how i dance sometimes at shows if i'm trying True, to be yeah i'll bounce the space around I'll me bounce. i just like kind of bounce in spot i guess where else do you go but up up and then down again yeah. that's that's really <laughs> where you got, you got your room to where explore. do you go once you go up but down it is the eternal yeah. curse of gravity oh yeah that is for sure um there's sometimes he's singing in front of a uh like a wall painting or not really a painting like graffiti, like street art of a of a leopard, I think. Oh, like a Go cat. Around like, yeah, the he cat. wants to be a cat. He wants to be a big cat. So there is like visual references to things discussed in the song. When he talks about a yellow-haired girl at the beginning, it, it shows a blonde woman. Um, typically when he's talking about staring at the beautiful women, there's shots of women looking over their shoulder or you know just staring at the camera. It's a pretty like. It's not a bad music video. It's not an incredible music video. Yeah, um, I, it just kind of like made sense. It's it's a it's a it's a working man's video. Like it See, came like, and yeah, did the okay. job. There's like look, some yeah. shots that kind of look like they're a metaphor for something, but they also just kind of look neat. Like oh, this one's very green and shadowy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do some of that kind of stop motion animation stuff, or it's that's like, true. Oh, it's like a super stills. low frame rate at the end. Yeah, or some not at, at some point. Some of the shots yeah. of women dancing, maybe? Yeah, it's the women dancing. It happened around like 3.30, I think. If you're looking for a stamp there. Yeah, here it is. Flamenco dancer, maybe. Or is that what it is? Flamenco. Could be. I couldn't identify flamenco dancing if you no. held a gun to my head. Even if you didn't. Truly, the gun <laughs> would make no difference in my ability to identify flamenco. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's the music video. That's the music video. Fun, good, good enough. Um, but we got a ton of cover versions to talk about. Alex, let's talk about covers of the song Mr. Jones by Counting Crows, starting with Max Thorne. You want to start with Max Thorne? Mr. Jones and me, tell each other fairy tales, and we'll stare at the beautiful women. Just looking at you, I don't know, no, just looking at me and smiling. 
We got two 1994s. We got oh, off yeah. the beat. We got Max Thorn. Yeah, so. let's start with Max Thorn. Um, which, from it. what I can gather, is just the most amount of Thorn you can have. That's all I could find on this guy. Uh, certainly, it couldn't be more. <laughs> so if somebody asked, they're like, can I get a little more yeah, Thorn? Yeah, I couldn't no. find details, though, I either. I couldn't it's find like, a fucking thing. Um, actually, I did find one, like, on, there's a SoundCloud page for a Max Thorn with no description. One, this That's song handy. isn't featured, so I don't know who it is. There's one <laughs> song that looks like electronic music, so I'm like, eh, maybe. But the picture is just like a mom and her sons. Weird. So I have no idea who Max Thorne is. Yeah, anything I can garner from Max Thorne is from this song. So it's a... It's a dance track. It's a 1994 dance version of uh, this. It was released as a single. Um, Licensed from Disco Magic Italy. Oh, so maybe he's Italian. Oh, that's probably I'm, it. I'm just looking at the YouTube video here and pulling clues from the... Uh, I should have done this before. <laughs> pulling clues from what? The Because on the album, I mean, on the video, it's a picture of the single. Oh, it is. So there's little details on the actual record there, such as the Desposito Legal. Made in Spain. The disc is made in Spain. Oh, Spain. It was licensed from Disco Magic Italy. Ginger meat license disco magic. Anyway, so remixed it's, by a Summabip Studio. <laughs> okay, so don't know exactly what's going on here, but it's definitely like an electronic dance version of this song, which is kind of interesting because a lot of electronic dance versions of songs drop a lot of lyrics. Yeah, whereas this, this song is like faithful. all lyrics and it goes through them all. Yes. Um, but the whole time it's like burp, 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 like it's. Still yeah, an electronic like dance track. Aggressive synth and stuff going in the back. Yeah. And like the drums are very fast and upbeat. So yeah. it's very interesting uh, take on it. Yeah, and very Max Thorne sings the vocals himself. Mm-hmm. Which he's not an incredible singer, but I almost respect him doing it for some reason. I'm like, hey, yeah, you. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's how you had to do it in 1994, too. Like. Maybe. Where were you gonna get wasn't as easy an to isolated get, vocal track? A sample. Yeah. yeah. Um, it falls into a lot of the nineties um dance mix uh just like ideologies or call signs, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Like it sounds like a nineties dance track. The drums are very much of that area. Yeah, the, the absolutely. tone on the synth is that it's I just all of fe- that. feel like this would have like in the 90s like when this came out and it seems like it wasn't that popular but i feel like it could have been this was like sort of like killed in clubs i think i don't know but like the song was very popular this beat in the 90s like are you kidding me oh yeah how isn't this song everywhere especially when you hit that chorus like you get the like more hyper sounding synth yeah like It'd be, yeah, it'd be just as in place in a 90s club as in a uh, 90s elementary gym class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, by that same metric, like a bit on the generic side. Cause, uh, yeah, you know, for sure. Like, oh, yeah, this is what music sounded like in the 90s in a certain context. Yeah, so I think maybe it's big falling is that it hugs too tightly to a very lyric-heavy track. And it's like, we're going to do all of Mr. Jones, but with a, a drum beat behind it. Like, that's most of the verses are just, like, aggressive drum beat, a little bit of synth in the back, and this dude on vocals. Whereas if you were to cut this today, it would be like, we're going to take the sha-la-la-la-la-la, repeat that a bunch, maybe do the first right. verse, 
will will still end on the we're going to be big stars line and but like everything in the middle would be cut up although he doesn't end on we're going to be big stars no he doesn't he ends on uh happy as i can be that's right i just want to just about as happy as i can be which is a little more like feel good electronic music dancing kind of yeah um do you remember when we talked about walking in memphis and there was the best version we we elected it best was i'm raving i'm raving (laughs) i don't remember that it's a song it it completely reworks the song to be about just raving so instead of saying like oh okay okay, it's coming back it's coming back i'm raving i'm raving raving. (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) i think an approach like that might have been better here just like change the context to i don't know something about being me and mr jones going to a dance club like there's all of yeah. the yeah, yeah the so. telltale you can flip things up mr. and jones. just like I, we we're gonna we're gonna be big dancers or something we're gonna right and then that way it's more like you're talking about being in a group of people and you can be like all the beautiful women and they're like point be like you, you you're who you, i'm you. talking about kind of thing like exactly and then everyone is there and be like oh he's talking about me i think that might have been a good approach here but yeah as yeah. it stands it's a an oddity of the 90s era of of dance remixes yeah maximum thorn maximum thorn. <laughs> uh with that Max, let's talk short about, for maximum <laughs> short for uh, maximum <laughs> uh, that would which, be good i mean that's i think true of max headroom oh yeah it's for maximum i think that is true but he yeah. is a fictional character yeah, true not a real uh, subject to real the guy. whims of uh, another person who, who invented yeah. him yeah um, but we're about to subject ourselves to the whims of Off the Beat in 1994. This is an award-winning co-ed acapella group from the University of Pennsylvania. 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 Just beside Castlevania, um, they specialize in rock and pop, <laughs> which sounds like every co-ed acapella group from a university. Yeah, that's not... I guess not... some of them do hip-hop as well. I guess so. I mean, I guess maybe originally it would have been more like either show tunes or like um, uh, like Original? old jazz pop stuff, like, like Frank like Sinatra right. style Um I old, guess there is a long music. and storied history of acapella. We yeah, really only but nowadays it. it's all yeah, rock and pop. Yeah. Um, so from a we've seen, but we cover rock and pop songs. We so. cover rock and pop songs, and sometimes hip hop, kind of. And sometimes hip. <laughs> um, off the, the beat. This, this collegiate one is acapella, acapella, right. acapella, collegiate level. Um, yeah. Here's my. I'm going to start with my thesis here. Okay. So we t- we talked about we talk about a lot of acapella that is bad. We do. We talk about a lot of acapella that is like kind of good or kind of interesting, but is still ultimately acapella. Yep. This is the the bar. This is <laughs> this is the the mark the, the watermark. If you're above this, you're good acapella. If you're below this, you're not. <laughs> right in the middle. I think this is right in the middle. They uh, there's enough kind of interesting moves here, but in the same way we talk about other songs that end up just sounding like that genre like it's like oh this is just a pop punk version or this is just a heavy metal version like you get the chugging guitar this and that this is that for acapella it has all of the the signs all the signifiers and it's put together well enough 
but it will never be greater than that nor worse than that okay um i i think i agree with you like there's a few elements like oh they they have more hey la la la's yeah, right off for the example, bat, right off the, the bat, intro. which is like, oh, okay, yeah, start. that's good. Um, that's kind of the thing I would expect maybe from the remix too, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the stuff they're working with. Um, where I, I disagree is I think the their performance doesn't really come together and then it, it just, it drops the whole thing. Like, I don't think the lead vocal is doing great. He struggles particularly at the start. By the right. end, it picks up, honestly. But I think uh, the first uh, definitely half is like pretty rough. Yeah, I would agree to that. Um, I'm just maybe I'm also yeah. just so used to lead acapella vocals. <laughs> yeah, we're so trying to like me. we're trying to like you know approach it on its own on love own level or mm-hmm. own pl- playing. Yeah, meet it on yeah meet it on its level, understand on it its on own its own terms, terms ground whatever. And it's like I don't know. I just feel like the soloist struggles at the start and is kind of trying to do too much of an imitation of right. Adam Duritz. That could um, be because it kind of sounds like he's trying to make his voice a little gravelly but he's more of it's not really uh what what it seems like he's good at Mm -hmm. um which is maybe why uh sometimes a uh, an acapella group uh, shouldn't do or wouldn't do a a pop song um yeah there's so there's some vocal struggles but i think by the time we get to the end and it's kind of more cacophonous there's more stuff around to support it it comes together a bit yeah, I, um, yeah, yeah, that's where I agree. But then there's also some stuff in the middle where it's kind of building where I was like, okay, now his, he's getting covered up, which is mm-hmm. kind of like antithetical to the original song, which is very, you know, vocally focused. Right. Um, very lyrically focused, I should say. Yeah, because he's, of course, getting covered up by more vocals. <laughs> yeah, which uh, so I did think that, like, sometimes the backup singers were, like, a bit, or at, which is everyone else, the rest mm-hmm. of the sounds, was, like, too loud, and, and it... it the lead got lost a bit but by the time we got to the end i was kind of like maybe this is better because it does cover him up and he's not doing like the best job yeah i that's where i was like okay this is they're covering up their weak spot the terrible lead vocals which is a usually a flaw in a lot of acapella because they're not built for that style they're not like trained in that style of singing of having yeah put, it's very put it all on your shoulders you're either doing a ja ja or you're doing the boom 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 like you're doing a note <laughs> yeah so to have to take on the full range of a lead is is a big ask so mm-hmm. yeah once they cover him up and they start and they do people doing echoes of his lines and they do just like it like you're right it gets cacophonous to the point of being maybe too much but in that at least it stays kind of interesting yeah Um, yeah. other than that, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, here's the fucking weird thing, though. Here's why it's okay. the worst version ever. <laughs> to believe? Uh, which part is this, sorry? Here, I'm getting up at the, the mark here right now. 322. 322. Double believe. Double believe. Yeah, Believe. Uh, he does have some strange enunciation on a lot of on a lot of lines, um, which again kind of makes it seem like he's trying to do an imitation, uh, and like he's trying to be like very relaxed, but like too relaxed, and like doesn't enunciate very well. Yeah, and like yeah, that like saying too like tuh is like a I'm oh. casual and cool move. 
Yeah, I think also it's like a vowel thing because when you're singing and if you go like higher in your range, you don't pronounce the vowels the same way. Mm. So that might be part of just the fact that he's like struggling a little bit. I believe. No, it sounds like he's hitting it because he thinks it's cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because in the original he says to believe. It's very clearly to. <laughs> okay, then I don't know. It's so it's not like he's like decision. following in the footsteps of the original. Just, he's just to believe. To believe. <laughs> Which is dumb. Um, ends really quick. It's an acapella song. We're giving it yep. too much time already. Let's talk about a band we haven't talked about before. Counting Crows in 1998. Yeah, you ever heard of these guys? You ever heard of uh, these guys? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so this is a live version. Mm-hmm. Uh, from later on... Um, it's an odd live version too. He's he's like he adds some things. Yeah, he some things away. Works the song in a few ways. Yeah, because this is after uh, the song came out. It was big in a couple of years. You mentioned that he was uh, kind of reclusive for a while afterwards. We talked about how he kind of had a different perspective on the song later on after he achieved success, and particularly after um, like Kurt Cobain's suicide. Mm-hmm. So he has complex feelings about this song, and and his relationship with it has changed over the years. And this is even only a few years later. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, not that long later. It's so it's 1998, so five years after the song and album were released. And uh, uh, yeah. so, what's different about this one? Well, there's an accordion. That accordion fucking rocks. I wasn't going to put this on first. I was like, well, I'll give it a listen and like see if it's worth talking about. And then that accordion came in. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. All right. And there's a few other things. Um, So the it adds uh, in the intro, like right at the beginning, he takes a line from a a bird song called So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star. Which I was shocked. I was like, I thought this was a Tom Petty song. (laughs) Which song is like Betty, do you every cover bird that? songs. Yeah, he does a cover of this one. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely happened before. Um, I didn't realize he had a cover though. Yeah. Um, and now the song, the even the original is feels a bit like freeform in terms of vocal melody. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't really pick out a vocal melody other than Mr. Jones and me. You right. Know? So it feels like he's kind of doing some different things, but like it doesn't matter. Like he yeah. just kind of needs to sing it vaguely sing-songy vaguely sing-songy there's a bit of theater in there um like yeah it's 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 half like spoken word poetry half an actual song true i mean the third verse is like done like i mean it's spoken word and like the way the bass comes in it's like slam poetry basically that's right in the third verse um and then he also okay the big weird difference to me in this version is mm. the way he sings Mr. Jones and me. Mm-hmm. Cause he doesn't do the same like melody. Yeah. He kind of sings it, but he doesn't sing the Mr. Jones and me, mm-hmm. which is weird to me. Cause to me, that's like such an important part of yeah, the song. Yeah. That's the, like the real marker that it is this song. Like that melody is. Yeah. 
is part of it, you know? But yeah. but that's maybe not the important part, or he's trying to distance himself from that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, because that part is such, like, a dopamine hit. Like you said, it's the hook. It's where we're like, yeah, Mr. Jones and me getting yeah. drunk and talking about women. So maybe he's pulling the rug out on purpose mm-hmm. um, for people who are familiar with it, but also maybe just his idea of what is important in this song is different, and that's changed because it wasn't what he thought was important. I don't yeah. know. Or maybe something else I haven't thought of. Yeah, because it's got a much like sadder, heavier sound. He's really trying to, and like there's key lyric changes that tell us that he wants us to rethink, ask the audience to rethink what we think of the song. Yeah, because he says things like, uh, "We, we just fuck." Be, yeah, he says fuck. <laughs> yeah, he uh, says, um, "When everybody loves you, uh, that's just about as fucked up as you can be." Yeah. Um. He says, I don't want to be someone to believe. You should not believe in me. Instead of I want to be someone to believe, to believe. Uh, and then he also says... There's a line about, like, I hope I never get lonely, which is a little different from the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and then says something about, like, not going outside yesterday and, like, yeah, how he might also not go outside later. Yeah, the stuff at the end. He And another line, which I thought was, I mean, to me, was... Uh, fairly hard hitting was when he says miss me and mr jones we don't see each other much anymore yeah it's right like, oh we've we've moved on you know that was a different time this is that was a- now like a song that is a time capsule yeah it's uh it's a really good take on his own song it's a it's a good interpretation with just small i mean it's it's they're key lines but yeah. just to be able to change those and it, it paints a different picture yeah, which, like, I mean, a normal cover couldn't do that because yeah, it's his absolutely. story, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's also could, why I thought of Walking in Memphis because we talked about that, and there was a similar problem. It was a story of Mark Cohn's time as a Jewish man in uh, in Memphis. Yeah. And then other covers were like, well, how do we, how do you make somebody else's story yours when it's that personal? You can't, I say, but maybe... But if you're the guy who wrote it, it turns out you can. Because <laughs> I think this version works really well. I think the acoustic take on it is great. The accordion's a, a totally cool addition that you know yep. you're, you're not hearing that in other songs. Um, yeah, and it's just it's just fucking solid. Yeah. Try, I'm yeah. just trying to make sure we got all of the different. Yeah, I kind of glossed over some of the lines for sure. Um, yeah, it's more getting the ve- the basic idea yeah dog but yeah of, what a cool thing yeah, to come back to a song reevaluating his re-evaluated. stance on the story and i'm sure if they did it and maybe they still do this i don't know they did it once so maybe in their live shows he still comments on it mm-hmm. oh instead of saying um i feel so symbolic yesterday he says i just get so confused every day yeah, which I mean, sounds like he's struggled somewhat with depression. So there's depression some of that and in there too. depersonalization disorder, huh. which is a it's a trippy one. It's quite uh, yeah, quite wild. But yeah, so he's a uh, he's he's doing well apparently these days. Apparently, he's found out that performing music makes him, you know, attaches him to reality. It grounds him and makes him feel good. So ultimately, it's a uh, kind of a like a good story. It's yeah, like, there's a happy ending, but this is kind of ending. the the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, I say happy ending, but it's not over yet. 
that's not over yet. That's right. Another version by Counting Crow. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about Hidden in Plain View in 2004. Hidden in Plain View. Okay, looked them up. They're hardcore band. Hardcore. Um, I, I assumed there would be screaming. Yeah, it's much more emo or what I yeah. think people think of as emo than Definitely what I think of as emo. Yeah. You know, that kind of like emo as like a pop punk offshoot kind of thing. Right. There, uh, here I got uh, post-hardcore, though. Sure. American five-piece post-hardcore band from northern New Jersey. But yeah, the vocal style is very much like mid-2000s alt-rock. I'm thinking like not quite good Charlotte, but like, uh, oh, who's the one who does All-American Rejects? All-American Rejects. That kind of style of vocals. Maybe a little bit of like Blink-182, that kind of zone of vocal styling. Yeah. Yeah, that's the like dialect or like how they talk. Yes. Um, how they pronounce things. Um, so there wasn't any of that screaming and there wasn't even much like distortion, just a lot of compression. A lot um, of compression. So they really just like, they kind of strip it down. You know, yeah. there's really, there's that one guitar strumming pretty regularly. Um, the less like soundscapey, you know, there's a bit of just, dis- they do kick up the distortion on the chorus, um, yes. which I think is cool for this song. Mm-hmm. Um, then you kind of have more of a break between the two and it makes sense yeah they do that classic like the guitar starts to hum in the back and then increases yeah. in intensity yeah and then so, yeah open symbols in the chorus big crashes going on but yeah it feels very straightforward mm-hmm. um, I don't even have much else to say like that's kind of what they, that's kind of their thing in this song uh, near the end they they cut to like a drum machine and then the vocals get like really filtered uh, yeah. that's the first part and then it's like filtered out and then kind of like comes back in for the chorus yeah yeah it comes back in for he says, when he says I want to be Bob Dylan um, the line when the final chorus when he talks about seeing himself staring right back at him that line staring right back at me comes through on like the left side of your speakers in a in a big filter voice so it's like he's talking to you from the TV brother oh brother <laughs> oh brother <laughs> oh brother uh, <laughs> don't know what I was trying to say about with that um, yeah I just thought it was I mean I certainly wouldn't mistake it for the original um, no. I would like a higher quality recording of this version, I hear you I wish I could have found it on Spotify or something uh, <laughs> yeah unfortunately this is just an old uh, old yeah YouTube video from 2008 2008 quality YouTube rip yeah. Um, yeah other other things they do some do some classic pop punky emo moves we already talked about the breakdown. There's a bit of piano in here. It's kind of fun. It's, yeah, big complaint, audio quality. Um, otherwise, like, yeah, a little emo fault, take probably. on what's kind of an emo song. Like, yeah, checks out. Yeah, it makes sense. Sure does. Um, You know what doesn't make sense to me? The amount of jazz covers I found this week. Two. Which, which the Two. That's too fucking many. But we're going to talk about John Lester Quartet in 2012. John Lester. Mr. Jones and me, we tell each other fairy tales And we stare at the beautiful women Oh, she's looking at you, I don't think so, man She's looking at me, smiling in the bright lights Yeah, John Lester. jazz group Jazz group Based around this guy, 
John Lester. John Lester. Who's a uh, singer-songwriter, bassist, and guitarist. And guitarist. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, he's a bassist, so I think there's a little more bass focus on this. Most mm-hmm. notably, in the intro, plays the bass and sings. Yeah. And kind it's of got a good groove vocals. on that bass. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and then it's, you know, it's, it's very jazz. Yeah, which I um, think in the, the styling of a story about going out to see live music... Like jazz and like casual live music, I think jazz right. plays well in that idea. Yeah, and like the way the original song like doesn't necessarily have like a really strong identity in terms of like a riff or anything. Mm-hmm. This doesn't either. It's it's sort of sort of tra- um, transplanted into jazz and creating a similar like oh we're playing jazz chords now like this is the jazz version. There's a walking yeah. bass line. The piano's doing chords, but it's not like. Like, it's still rhythmic. Like it's not the crazy, just chord, like, free chords um, that can, you can get sometimes from jazz. Um, and um, I, I mentioned that the the original, like, the melody on the vocals doesn't feel very regular. And similar to this, it feels more melodic. It almost feels like it's going to be a more regular, like, melody line. But it mm-hmm. doesn't have that. But it sounds like he's like kind of singing it more. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. You're saying he he puts on more of like an actual traditional vocal performance? Or? Yeah, maybe it's just like the way he sings does feel more like a, a Frank Sinatra style thing. Where it's like more of like singing where... Um, in the original maybe it feels more direct even though he is singing maybe it's just that it feels more modern or something in the original yeah i suppose because i can really picture the stage when i'm picturing this version Mm -hmm. i picture john lester up there with his quartet and they're they're playing this song i'm in the room right whereas with the original it's adam duritz singing right into my face holding my head with both hands (laughs) maybe not that aggressive but I don't picture the 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 step removal of the stage. Okay. To say this one feels more like theater performance, whereas the other one feels more more direct, like yeah. like a dude telling you a story. Okay. Yeah, I see that. This one, yeah, definitely feels like a performance in that way. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then I thought it was almost over, but no, it's just really long. Yeah, um, is this the one? Is this, this is the one that has the sax solo. Sax solo, yeah, which rips. I thought it was awesome. I liked the sax solo as well, and like the piano's still going. Uh, there's like a couple moments where it gets not like crazy crunchy chords, but like gets a little crunchier in the chords. But yeah, sax solo is going pretty nice. I mean, it all fits very well with the with the sound. Yeah, it's pretty sensibly built. Um, and then a piano solo, which also like i mentioned before appreciate that it's still like rhythmic and not random sounding yeah it's uh it's sensible it's good i could have done without the piano solo i was happy with just the sax but i didn't hate that the piano solo was there right um and oh they uh changed the line big oh, difference yeah? doesn't say bob dylan says uh oh yeah chet baker chet baker nicknamed uh, the prince of cool trumpeter and vocalist known for major innovations in a genre of jazz called cool jazz cool jazz that's been my problem with jazz this whole time i've been listening to all this fucking lame jazz (laughs) yeah gotta listen to more cool jazz yeah on that sax comes back around in the end um coming back to his vocal performance a bit though i think i did want more uh he's very level he's very 
you know, he's he's working the style of this jazz singer, like you said, very Frank Sinatra esque. But I feel like we miss out yeah, on some sure. of the some of the liveliness, some of the like the punchlines. Like what this one and the next version both fuck up on is the the verse two, as Genius calls it, the the painting verse. Right. Because very, very, yeah, I want to play with all these colors. They're very, very meaningful. I felt so symbolic yesterday. That's funny stuff. That is genuinely comedic. Like, it's good writing from that perspective. So, and they just kind of like, they just kind of skim over the lines because they don't really know how to. And you could give it a good, sarcastic Frank Sinatra, like, tip of the hat fucking delivery, but that's not here and it's right. not on the next version we're going to talk about. Tip of the about. fedora? Yeah. Chet Baker has a fedora. Chet Baker. In this picture I'm looking at right now. Was in and out of prison for a lot of his life. So, yeah. hey, good on him for keeping that fedora. <laughs> but he hung on to the fedora. Um, yeah, I, I thought this one it was a pretty good jazz transplant. You know? Yeah, I was jazz pleasantly surprised. Still, like, had enough uh, similar uh, idea to the original where you kind of get lost in the, in the music in the background and focus on the lyrics. And then, of course, there's it's jazz, so there's a saxophone solo. Yeah, saxophone solo. Saxophone comes back at the end. Um, yeah, I was honestly pleasantly surprised by this one. Yeah. Um, another pleasant surprise, more jazz. George White Group and Angie in 2015. More jazz, yeah, jazz music collective. Yes. So I don't know who's involved in this. Uh, This one is a lot more of like a lounge feeling. It's very slow. Mm -hmm. They describe themselves as sensual jazz. I believe it. Because they played this song quite slow. Yes, they sure Um, did. That said, there's kind of a quality to it where there's kind of oscillating between like, there's like a, a, a jerkiness to the... Uh, to the verses and like a smoothness to the choruses hmm does that make sense um i guess another way to say that is at some points they they have more space so they'll play a note hang on it and then play but about right like not exactly like that but that kind of so like a, a more bunch of close together notes and then they'll hold it let it sit and then yeah a couple more and then that is what will happen during the Verses, and then once you get to the chorus, it's like regular chords kind of thing. More yeah, the space. chorus is held together by these big horn sustains. I call them big, yeah. but they're kind of low in the bottom of the track. It almost gives it like a like an old hotel or a lobby feel to it, where it's just like... So it levels things out, you're right, whereas the the verses are more like, we're going to... Who knows when it's the notes you don't play, like it's that kind of jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and it's I not like super jarring or anything. Yeah, it's not outlandish, but it is like it's like jazz one oh two, maybe, you know? Like Ooh. a little more advanced. Yeah. Um and it's it's very long. Yeah, six and a half minutes. It was this one's pushing it. Yeah. Um I don't even remember most of it. Well, especially for something like the, the verses are sparse. Like you said, it's sparse and then like occasional like a guitar comes in for three notes and then goes on vacation comes back later and you're like oh, plays a bit, yeah. So I guess like it makes sense in the sense I was mentioning before where like you can kind of get lost in like the soundscape 
this one you kind of have to get lulled into it though and if you don't get lulled into it then you're just sitting there like okay we're still here yeah you're like just just rolling through and you're like and it really makes you go wow these are some long verses like there is a lot of words to get through <laughs> this one and max thorne like the same thought came i was just like holy crap there's a lot to this song isn't there <laughs> yeah yeah but this one's just very very long yeah very very long oh, yeah, two varies but you know and, it's long and they break down for the the breakdown and it's like let's not it's not a big shift because the verse is already like pretty sparse quite down oh and she says stumble through the barrier instead of barrio barrio yeah i mean i guess you can stumble through either yeah and and you still be considered drunk i mean ultimately you're just but what barrier where were they being barriered from (laughs) these are the questions yeah they're breaking free they're I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what's going I on in this version. I don't know what admit. they're doing. I don't know what's happening in this one. It confuses me. Yeah, it confuses me too, Alex. But uh, it ends on a horn drone. Um, yeah, it kind of drags. It's it's jazz, baby. And with that, it's time for us to jazz on down to our final verdicts. We got three categories today. We got the worst version. We got the best version. And we got the jazziest version. That's right. <laughs> Alex, what's the worst version? What is the worst version? Um... I can give it to George White Group and Angie. Who sang this with them because it confused me and I don't understand it and um, that makes me upset. It's a fair call. It makes me feel inadequate. Makes you feel inadequate. Um. Well, damn them. They make you wish you were beautiful. Yeah, I wish I was beautiful. I wish I was beautiful. I'm gonna give it to um. I could give it to off the beat because it's still a cappella at the end of the day. Um, End of the day. That's kind of cheap, though. Nah, fuck it. Off the beat. It's just, yeah, you kind of talked me down from it, too. I was like, yeah, it's pretty. You're like, yeah, I don't know about it. I was like, all right, yeah. It's not that good. Off the beat. Worst version. Alex, best version. Best version. Man, what was the best version? Um, I'm going to give... I mean, I don't... I would almost give it to the live one, but I'm not going to because it's still just counting crows. I feel like... That's cheating, even though I've done that before. But they're not Bruce Springsteen, so... Um, hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very good. Um, I'm going to give best version to John Lester Quartet, because I really enjoyed listening to the John Lester Quartet version. And I thought it was a good jazz translation of the song, and it's some good sounds and a good saxophone solo. Hell yeah, that's good. Solid choice. I'm going to give it to Counting Crows. Yeah, because I think... deserve it. If, if, if you're coming to this, you listen to this, and you're like, well, what version should I listen to? Like, what version? If I can only listen to one, you got to listen to this, the live version that turns it into a little bit of a sadder piece and changes some yeah. lyrics around and really, like, completes the story of Mr. Jones, you know? With that, that devastating end line, Mr. Jones and me don't see each other anymore or see each other that often. It's like, oof, fame, man. What you get, you get, you have to borrow, or whatever yeah. the line is. It's like, what's the point if you don't see the people you care, can't see the people you care about anymore? Yeah. 
So it, it's so just like the ones who really love you. Sure, John Lester's good, like, and he's gonna win Jazziest. Spoiler alert. Might as well just move it forward. But yeah, I think the Counting Crows version, the live version, is a really just a strong take. And not everybody can do that with their own songs. Make a strong version later on. But hey, these guys did it. Jazzy's version. It's John Lester Quartet. You got four guys playing jazz. It sounds like jazz. It's jazzy. There's a sax solo. I like it. Alex. Oh, Tell me Max Thorns. I mean. None of them had more thorn than that one. That's the maximum amount. So that's got to be it, And right? jazz is a thorny genre, if nothing else. That's what they always yeah. say about it. So that's got to be it, man. Very well, Alex. Great choices, as <laughs> always. If you've got different opinions, similar opinions, want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are a few, hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeLaCressy, at some Alex Wiseguy. Send us comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Um, email us at covermepod at gmail.com. You can talk to us there. We listen to y'all. We do it. It might not seem like it, but that's only because you guys don't talk to us much, so there's not much listening to be done. Rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us because we don't have a marketing budget. You are our marketing budget. Congratulations. You're now a marketer. You can put that down on your resume, but only if you tell at least one person about us. And that <laughs> does it for today's episode of Cover Me. As we always say on Cover Me, smiling in the bright lights, cover me in stereo.